Welcome to the latest Gen X movie, sh excuse me, music show. That's another show. Uh, I thank you all for joining me today. We're going to, I'm going to start us off by talking to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple of blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Uh, when you go in, uh, be sure and get that, their 2017 Cabernet. It's my favorite of their wines. It's really got that kind of a bite. They call it their fire wine because it's uh it was harvested right after there was a big fire in sonoma county so it kind of the smokiness kind of came through with the grapes i am told whatever it was pretty say it was very uh uh spicy and it was very good to my palate at least uh, they also have pinots they got you know any any reds you want they got a riesling from a western slope uh winery called storm cellars it's just basically anything you want uh, they do virtual wine tastings. You, need, you can sign up for those at bfwdenver.com, or uh, you can just go in and for a safe and socially distanced table situation outside in the, dale, in the dairy block. Uh, when you go in, uh, it, it'll be, it's a good atmosphere, but it's like they make sure that everything is safe. So just go in and, uh, uh, and have a great time, particularly during this time of year. Fall in Denver is, you can't beat it. Uh, they are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown, Denver, Colorado. Just a couple of block away, blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSU Podcast sent you there. Also, I'd like to tell you about my friend Andy Feinstein. Please support our friends at Exo Event Center, located in Denver's vibrant Rhino Arts District. Exo Event Center can host sleep socially distance events for 25 to up to 175 persons outdoors and up to 100 persons indoors. If you are interested in hosting an event for a corporate gathering, fundraiser, client appreciation, birthday or anniversary party, or just a morale boosting uh, happy hour, Exto would love the opportunity to be part of it. Please visit nextoevents.com for more information and to book your private event today. Okay. Another Gen X music show with the crew. We got everyone here with us. Uh, coming to you all the way from the deepest part of his house, somewhere in the darkest corner of the basement, we have Joe. What's up, Joe? Hey, what's up? Good to be here. In the farthest reaches of Colorado, where everything is hot and the fires rage, I would like to introduce you to Magnus. Hello, Magnus. Uh, guys, we're... Uh cooling off here in western Colorado, thankfully, after burning the skies for a month or so. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, also, in not New Mexico, it is, <laughs> it is my friend, your friend, everybody's friend, a man who has taken some gambling advice from me and made some money. I would like to introduce you to Pat Garrett. Hello, Pat. Good day, sir. Gambling, uh, you know, you're my draft king. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm both the king of Thornton and the draft king. That's um, right. That's big. That's big. Yes. I am, I'm, from, I'm from not New Mexico, also known as the metropolitan area of a major American city. So um, I don't know what you're talking about, Wyoming dweller. <laughs> Wyoming. Yeah, you're closer to Wyoming. <laughs> the, uh, I was just tell people that uh, uh, Matt's uh, or Magnus's, uh, uh, you are in – uh, Alaska got big laughs from people who are listening to the podcast. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know why that particular comment got a, got a bunch of comments, but I appreciate people. Alaska is hysterical. Yes. I appreciate people 
commenting, you can uh, contact me on Twitter at jmorton78. Uh, and uh, uh, Pat, do you want your Twitter out here on the on the podcast? Uh, sure, sure. Okay. At what's Twitter? You can <laughs> you can contact uh, or and and comment on the show at PG Money on on uh, on Twitter, which is the best Twitter handle that I can think of. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So, Pellas, this this episode, I think we we I think we hit on a good one here, and it is basically our music that we are ashamed of or our, our hidden shames or we really like them, but we can't really tell people. I don't know what, uh, Pat, how would you define this sort of thing? Would you define it as um, good music, but not everyone considers good music? Or, or would you just sit, consider it something that everyone hates and you love? Yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of range here, but you know, the whole premise of it starts, you know, uh, our, our friend here and uh, co-host Joe told me many years ago about the concept of like a secret shame, something that like you really love, or maybe you love it like with your family, they've got you into it or something like that. And then yeah. you tell your friends and you're humiliated. Um, <laughs> so there's that, or there's things that's like, you know, you say to whomever you come in contact with, I really like this, you know, artist or band or whatever. And, uh, and they're like, that's horrible. You know, I can't believe that. And you're like, hey, I like them. Yeah. So I think there's a combination. I, my shame, I, is, 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 I feel it. And then I think for other people um, that might be on this discussion today, it's that their shame is that they think other people feel they should be ashamed, but they, uh, yeah, yeah. For they sure. don't have the shame gene, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't have one. Yeah, so that's I know. Yeah. I know. Well, yeah. I, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get this right out of the way too. Um, our our friend Joe here is very sure of his music taste. So, <laughs> oh yeah, and then these things—the things I'm going to talk about—I purely I understand completely that I love them, but no, no one should love them. I think it's because like, most of the time, if I talk about music that I love, I'll be like, "Well, I love this because it's great," and you're an idiot if you don't think so, you know. Whereas this, I'm like, "Oh yeah, most people probably or like old ladies like this music," uh, in my case, but like yeah, most people don't. You know, and I'm like, well, I understand yeah. that. So, you know, it's like... I think that memory. old lady demographic you and yeah. Morty might share. Which is a huge, you know, you know, music, uh, you know, demographic. They still buy CDs. Sure. They still buy CDs, man. Starland I mean, old ladies band. listening to music is something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Starland vocal band. They suck. <laughs> uh, Ma- Magnus, what, what, how would you define... Uh, like shame or, or would you even consider it shame if you enjoy it would it even be shameful at all well good question i think it depends on how old you are i think you know we're mo- much more likely to be susceptible to those kind of shame feelings when you're young mm-hmm. because it's driven by social pressure and yeah. i think you know the classic example of that would be someone who's really into rock and roll but secretly likes a disco band or song because <laughs> yeah. it's a, for rock and roll yeah. people, disco is, is the ultimate uncool, right? So that would be like a, a example of a secret shame. Or uh, like maybe a Christian, super Christian person secretly lo- loving Megadeth or something. <laughs> yeah. It all comes from your social circle, right? So yeah, that's true. I, th- I think when you're young, you're susceptible to that. And as you grow older, you're just like, ah, fuck everyone, I like this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But amongst a group of friends, you know, even the, or, or whatever, as you get older, there's still the opportunity for the good-natured ribbing and such for, um, for what 
what one might still attach to through nostalgia or whatever. And oh, yeah. uh, I think that's part of the fun. Well, yeah. I, I, to, to get us started, and I'm going to tell an anecdote uh, that involves uh, Magnus and, and, and Joe here. Um, and this wasn't even something I liked, but it was like in, uh, to go to Magnus's point about being susceptible, it's easy for me to say, uh, to uh, the, the, the jibes of your friends when you're at a certain age. Uh, I don't know if you two remember when I had that uh, Jimmy Page exactly live concert. Yeah, I knew exactly what you were going to say before you even said mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I don't forget what I said. It's something about... Uh, uh, the singer who was with Jimmy Page at the time, a guy named John Miles, and yeah. I, I had I said something. I had said something about him looking like uh, the lead singer of Def Leppard. No, we did. We said he looked like the lead singer of Def Leppard, and you knew his name. Oh, and I knew his and name. We got, got on you for that for knowing <laughs> yes. that. Yes, yes. And you and got I, mad. I got so angry. I yeah. tried to go Back home. Checking. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, took, you took your dolly and went home. <laughs> it totally was. You totally got up and you were like, going to leave. And that is a good example of the shame thing because I didn't like yeah. Def Leppard. I just happened to know the guy's name and I just and got... we were convinced you were a Def Leppard fan and you had to <laughs> prove to us that you weren't and we're still waiting for that proof yes <laughs> but you know as I look as I look back on that incident I, I find myself kind of in awe that I ever thought that about Def Leppard which is a perfectly fine pop rock band of an innocuous oh wow I think they're worse yeah. than like than like the worst thing that ever happened to humanity like it's like, it's wow. like Holocaust and then Def Leppard you know, which is going to make anything I say later. Oh, crap. You're fine. You're fine. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You're fine. No, but seriously, like, it's like, it's horrible. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. This is, we, can do, we can do off-color jokes on this podcast, so it's fine. Okay. I'm not anyway. saying all is good. No. I, you were yeah. making a joke. We all understand yeah. that. Oh. Um, so... Look at, look at, look at. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you guys can't see this, but Magnus's reaction here is priceless. This is great podcasting. <laughs> fantastic. It's fantastic. Okay, moving on swiftly. Yeah. Um, okay. Pat, let's start with you. <laughs> let's name your first. I mean, I, I, I told everyone to have like a couple. Let's let kind of like name your first kind of like artist that you think maybe we as friends of yours going back in the day may you know tease you for or something even now that you listen to you're like well maybe this is my secret shame yeah so i mean it's almost both um and i think when we first talked you know about broached the idea of talking about the subject morty uh you know you busted me right away and uh i think a lot of times these sorts of impulses or uh appreciations for for artists or music come from uh, you know, a nostalgic era. And for me, um, growing up, or I, you know, I was exposed mostly to music that I, do, that I now don't like, which was like kind of like 80s pop country kind of stuff. And my first um, sort of like escape from that, that I somehow like started to discover on my own was um, 10,000 Maniacs. And <laughs> Natalie Merchant was like 
an, the first singer that I was like, oh, I need to try to find all the songs that she sung on or been involved in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had almost no commonality with any of my peers with that. And so I almost just did it in secret. And uh, I still today will like listen to that semi-regularly. Um, yeah. And when I talk about it with, uh, you know, contemporaries that I might be out with at, at work or in the real world, like, uh, I don't think that subject would ever come up due, due to my, my shame. As I remember, Clint, uh, a mutual, another mutual friend of ours, liked mm-hmm. Ted Dazzle Maniac, right? Huge fan. True. Yes. Huge fan. We, were, we were the two that kind of, uh, um, you know, could speak about it openly. You know, yeah. but I mean, amongst uh, like I think certainly under a certain of a certain generation, I mean, like I think one of the Ten Thousand Maniacs song was like the graduation song for everyone from like ninety two to ninety five or something like that. But um, you know, I've like gone, I've been to Natalie Merchant concerts, um, you know, things like that. So yeah. it's not it, it it never comes up in a setting where I'm talking about music with uh, with you know acquaintances. Well, do you remember there was that where was in the nineties? 10,000 Maniacs, they had like a unplugged special and they covered Because yeah. the Night, the Bruce Springsteen song. And that was yeah. a big hit. I mean, that was everywhere. I mean, that yeah, album, I, I mean, not to, not, to sell, uh, not to sell it, but that album is like one of the best live albums I've ever heard. I mean, from start to finish, it is uh, a perfect live album. And when VH1 was doing, uh, or MTV was doing Unplugged, I mean, that was amazing. You had these artists come in and play their acoustic versions of their songs and I, was I must Patty always Smith. prefer that. I always think Patty Smith when I when I think of Because the Night, but I forgot that the, the Natalie Merchant was it Natalie Merchant and Ten Thousand Maniacs, or was it yes. just Natalie Merchant? It was, yeah, it was... it's actually. I mean, not to nerd out on you about Ten Thousand uh. Maniacs trivia, Joe, but uh, basically, Ten Thousand Maniacs been going along. Natalie Merchant started with them when she was like eighteen or something. She was very young, and that um recording happened for MTV's Storytellers or uh, Unplugged. Sorry, Unplugged, yeah, and. Then she left the band, and then the album was released. And oh. so it was kind of like a timing situation. And then she oh. went on to, you know, a relatively successful uh, solo career. I still uh, remember the first there. time I ever heard of Ten Thousand Maniacs. It was they covered uh, "Peace Train" by Cat Stevens, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "What the hell is this? You can't cover Cat Stevens." That's like, you know, kind of me, you know, at the time. But I liked the cover. Yeah, then, yeah. it was good. Why? Also, they were always like in the first row of CDs anytime you'd walk into the music store. You know, it was like numbers, oh, yeah. which is like five ones. bands, and then A, you know, and, and through throughout. You know, you and go, also, that band. The numbered ones are at the end. Yeah. You know, you never know. It's true. That's a good point. Well, well Pat, I recall yeah. us giving you shit for that and, and, and Clint, but in hindsight, I think I was probably not respecting enough of good artistry at the time it fits yeah. your taste too pat you like the singer yeah. songwriter i'm i'm with you on that a lot yeah, of those like we all have the same mind when we talk <laughs> joe one of my favorite things is back when i was getting a ton of uh bmg or columbia house you yeah, yeah. Mail. uh you're like you're like you like yuppie rock you know and uh <laughs> i remember like, you were like you nail like, it on the head you had mark cones walking in memphis which is a great song it is a great time. Dude, I, I I still love Mark Cohen. I've also seen him numerous times. I can uh you can I can have shame for that too, maybe it's I, yeah. <laughs> in the next I, mean, you do, I do too. Well, Dad was into dad rock before he was a dad. That's yes, he was. That's right. That's <laughs> I right. Didn't, I, I, old when I was I, young. That's the key. I didn't Wait, know I, I didn't know Roy Cohn had a uh, band. Roy Cohn. <laughs> <laughs> 
was, yes, it was the jo Joseph McCarthy. No, no, don't touch it. No, don't <laughs> touch it. That really dates us. Like, it actually doesn't date <laughs> oh, us. It dates man. our parents. Like, it it's does. like, it's weird. Yeah. It does. Uh, how about you, Joe? Uh, your first one. Oh, um, I was thinking about it today because I was listening to it earlier. Love, um, um, I was listening to Anne Murray Snowbird. Love that song. Um, or any kind of adult contemporary where I'm like, this is so like slickly produced. Like I love Dan Fogelberg, for instance. Mm, I know, Most yeah. of his career. So yeah, many songs true. that guy made, you know. Yeah. But like, even as I listen to it, I'm like, this is so overproduced, you know. It's like, it's so trying to make you like it. But it's like, you still can't really deny the fact that the melody's solid, the lyrics are solid, you know, stuff well, that like that. Was, that, was, that was everything that was coming out of that time that was a, like, quote, singer-songwriter, singer, though. Mm -hmm. A lot of it, oh, a lot, almost yeah. all of it. Well, even in the, in the, in the mid-70s. Mid-to-late 70s, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at, look at how overproduced that stuff was. And, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, my mom liked Dan Fogelberg, and I got to tell you, man, I, I have – I he puts me to sleep. I can't, I can't get behind oh, I can it. I see that. I, yeah. Like it's in his a, voice. But, I could see him doing that to me, but in a good way, you know, like in a, like in a romantic way, like, you know, like I'm oh. falling asleep now. I feel, oh. you know, I feel good, you know? Oh. That's interesting. It's like ambient. People take that. So it's desired effects. So, so like putting on Dan Fogelberg with the ex, express intent to fall asleep. Yeah, that could be possible. I mean, it doesn't necessarily do that to me, but sometimes, yeah, yeah that's a good thing too. You need that kind of thing in your like Enya. There's a good example. Enya that puts you right out, right? It's all yep. like you know, mellow and ethereal. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, I, yeah. I think I think that that's, that's interesting because I, I'm not with you uh, I, as far as liking obviously Dan Fogelberg, but yeah. I, I can see how that would be appealing. And I remember this has been a consistent thing with you going back to when we were teenagers. You've mm. always liked Dan Fogelberg. Oh yeah. I grew up with him. My mom loves Stamp on Over. It was like one of them, like the earliest introductions to music, you know? Yeah. Well, like Little River Band, great example of late 70s stuff too that my parents loved that I got into. And it's so, yeah, it's so like overproduced. You're like, is there a real instrument in this song? I can't really tell. You know? It's like, <laughs> Pasteurized it's like this might have been milk. programmed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Magnus, how about you? Well, you know, I would say early, I, I was liking music that I didn't know I should be ashamed of. So mm. growing up in a small town, the rock and roll that I heard on the radio was your journeys, oh, yeah. Yeah. Your, yeah. Yeah. your Bostons. Yeah. And when that's all you know, that's what you think rock and roll is. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then when I moved to Florida as a teenager, um, I had a hard introduction to some really uh, hard music and mm -hmm learned very quickly that the things I had enjoyed heretofore were shameful and I should never speak <laughs> of them. <laughs> no, you, don't, you don't like yes. Journey anymore? Come on. Journey's got some good songs. If you've never heard Led Zeppelin, you know. Oh, Journey, yeah. Journey's all right. But then yeah, that's true. Led Zeppelin, it's like it's another world. You know, like, what was I thinking? Well, I, that's true. How much of that, though, I mean, you, you touched on something that I, I kind of think that's like a big factor in this how much is it was this based on what is cool where you were growing up yeah you know is it a regional Tons thing of it. you know like yes uh, sure. we, all, we all grew up in an era where classic rock radio was just king and we were kind of introduced to a lot of that mainstreamy uh like a lot of uh, uh 38 special uh, and you know 
Oh that, man, yeah. It gets played constantly. Yeah. It's considered classic yeah. rock, you know. So it, it, yeah. it's it's stuff that that like that that comes out, and you're like, but it's like all you're exposed to, so you can't help but be like think, oh well, I should like this. And then right. pretty special is another one of the worst things that ever happened to the human race. I forgot about that. One. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think someone should be keeping a running list. And we should. That. We that's maybe that's the next show list of musical atrocities. Oh, that's a two-parter for sure. Yeah, it's a two-parter. Well, I'm going to hold back on my big one and say that my one of my shames has always been the Bee Gees. Oh, mm. I love the Bee Gees. They had some great. Songs. Great, Bee Gees are yeah. great. And there was a time, there was a time, and I think in the 80s, where it, you couldn't mention the BBs without people rolling their eyes or coming at you. But I tell you what, they, their because version... Because disco is still too, too real, man. Yeah. Too real. There's yeah. a song they did called If I Can't Have You that they gave, oh, okay. to, a, if they gave, they gave to another artist who they, they got a hit out of. But I tell you what, it's a great song. It is a fantastic song. I, I, to Love Somebody, a great song. And There's another great one that I always forget about, Morty. Hmm. Um, um, Dion Warwick covered in the '80s, "Heartbreaker." Mm. Why do you have to? Yeah, that's a great yeah, song. Exactly. I didn't even know that. The, I should have known that the Gibb brothers wrote that. It has Gibb written all over it. But and of course, I, they I, I find a lot of metalheads and, and hard rock aficionados actually mm. like BG. I, I've I've noticed that. It must be something about the songwriting. It is. Uh, yeah, I think they're just really good songwriters. I think yeah. it's the the beats per minute uh, that on it, and especially the you know, there's a song. I, I saw a metal version of the song "Tragedy" that they mm-hmm. did, and I'm like. Meh. Well, that kind of makes it translates. sense. Yeah, it translates. It did. Yeah. So, yeah, but, but I was thinking about it for a long time, and I'd like, I did a cover a while back that I, for myself, of the song Alone that they did. It's like one of their later hits. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, this is well done, well written music. Well, it's like and, that Wayne's World line, remember? Yeah. EG's didn't, like, uh, you know, uh, they didn't care, like, they didn't care about writing songs like zeppelin didn't care about writing songs that everyone liked they left that to the Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. totally true that's where i was and i i uh I, I remember having a conversation with my dad we're watching this thing and a bunch of bbg songs came on like and he, he turns to me and he says well you know sometimes when it's a good song it's a good song it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what kind of genre it is and i'm like you're right so that's kind of been my perspective here. So uh, that's the uh, BGs there. Pat, numero dos for you. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I, to expose myself here, probably my all-time favorite band is, and, and you know, I guess it feels, fits under the wheelhouse of my own growing up, um, is uh, Counting Crows. And I have received endless <laughs> shit from people Really? In my uh, in my day about that. Oh yeah, I, I, I mean, you do get that. I've heard that too. Yeah, I mean they're sort of dismissed musically and whatnot. Um, but meanwhile, I've probably seen them like I see them every summer they play. They always tour. I've seen them twenty plus times. I love. I mean, they were the type of band, you know, in the spirit of like the old days of taping and trading where you can get live shows. I mean, mm-hmm. I have like a hard drive full of video and audio. All their concerts are different. Um, and I come back to their music all the time. Like, you know, I love all the music that we talk about that we love in all these episodes and whatnot, but, um, like I, I, they're on the Mount Rushmore for me. And I, like I said, have gotten tons of shit for that. I have the CD behind yeah, what do they? What do people say? Like, what is supposed to be shameful about them? Oh, they're just like, um, you know. I mean, first of all, like, can, 
think of it this way. I've seen them numerous times do like double billings concerts with like the Goo Goo Dolls or Matchbox 20. Yeah. And they kind of get thrown into that category. Of See, this, I kind like, of associate them of, together like, though. Yeah, I, yeah I, exactly. Yeah, the fact yeah. that it makes sense is yeah. exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. I saw them with live. You know? Remember live? Yes, I do. Yeah. And I saw them with live recently too. Like I think one of the oh, last really? times they toured was with live again. So they were both kind of like revisiting. It might've been like the 20th anniversary of their original then, sort yeah. of uh, pairing. Wow. But yeah, I mean, so they were like really, I mean, a lot of that nineties rock did not age well, you know? And I'm sure there's people out there whose secret shame is like the Goo Goo Dolls because in 1997, oh, yeah. they fell in love with those songs and like blah, blah, blah. And like, if we never hear them again, we'll be fine. And so <laughs> that's really where the Counting Crows go for me, the Counting Crows. And, uh, I, um, I, I'm not ashamed of it, but I have been uh, shown that, that there is shame in it, I guess, uh, by <laughs> many encounters I've had. You can take it too far, like someone we know <laughs> will remain nameless. But I don't think you do that, Pat. You don't come out and you're just like, the county crows, I love them. Oh, I know. Let me tell you about them for an hour. I mean, the only thing but I, I, I love like that they're whiny, right? I've heard that about his voice, that it's kind of like a yeah. whiny. Oh, go, I hear go, a lot go, about go. Adam Duritz. That seems to be the yeah. biggest complaint about... It's Canada. definitely... Depre- like, people say it's very depressing. You know, I mean, he's an interesting character. I mean, I don't know how deep in the weeds you want to get into it, but, you know, I mean, he's a true artist that came up, you know, and put this band together in his, in, with, you know, in his college days and, uh, and just and grinded it out. And, Even if yeah, he is depressing, and, he's a good writer. He's a very good lyricist. And he shot the moon with that f- first record, which, mm. uh, you know, catapulted them to like stardom and the peak of MTV in the early 90s and, yeah. and all that, um, you know, and so I think that that's why too, so, I mean, it was like that post kind of Nirvana sound, where it was like, much softer. And they too had um, uh, an unplugged album, which was great. And a storytellers album, um, you know, that they, I mean, they were VH1. like one. One, right? I mean, they were like right in that VH1 as VH1 was sort of coming up as the adult. Yeah, alt- yeah they might have been like a good VH1 versus the MTV that was going on and some of that music in the early 90s, mid 90s yeah. there. Um, and I definitely gravitate more towards that, which, you know, we, we talk about rock music a lot and things like that. And it's sort of like way on the like mellow side of, of that. I mean, I have, I can, I've seen them rock, um, but my favorite tunes by them are you know their unplugged versions or their acoustic covers and they you yeah. know they also do i mean they you see them in concert it's a different set list every night they mix songs into their songs they do covers i mean you know all that i'm, I'm a big fan of the, the changing yeah. set list uh yeah i'm a big fan of that that's a that's, that gives a new uh, experience for everyone who goes to a different you know concert. and they encourage oh, yeah. people to like record their shows and trade them so it's like I have, you know, a digital file of like every show that I've ever seen of them. And then all the other ones that had great songs, you know, or covers that they did one time, things like that. So and the opposite of that know. would be the Eagles. Remember, like there was an Eagles live album that a friend of ours yes. had and yes. would play. And I'm like, this is indistinguishable from the recordings they made. Yeah, like, exactly. Would play note for note the song. And I'm was, like, wow, this I mean, song sucked. This song sucked in the studio and it sucks live. Cool. Yeah. I mean, and I think the other thing for me too for Counting Crows is I heard them so many times. You know, I listened to all their albums to death, and they like lined up with a lot of great things that happened in my like, you know, yeah. the development of my life and whatnot. But when I saw them live, I was like, this is a totally different experience. Like they're they're a fantastic live band. And, That's awesome. Um, anyhow, yeah, yeah no, I, I shame I, me I, for I, it. No, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. You, nah. you you share two 
quasi shameful bands with a with a mutual friend of ours, which I was I forgot about that. I, I forgot about that. But you, unlike this well, other person, I was the saying, influence. You know, I, yeah. I I feel like I was the introducer of these things. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think, again, like you know, unlike away from country right. music that I grew up with was important. Well, yeah, and and I think unlike this person we know, you didn't mercilessly beat it into the ground. <laughs> so I, you're I good. mean, that could be part of the reason why it's <laughs> shameful is that there are many fans or whatever, whomever that have, uh, you know, sort of sanctimoniously ruined it for the rest of us. It's, well, it's like if every guy's ever seen, there's an, there's an onion article that that's, uh, I think the title of it is the guy at the bar won't shut up about Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> yeah. You ever seen that one? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the onion is the gold standard. It is. I remember that guy at the bar. You don't see that guy at the bar these days. No, yeah, Maybe no. it's an Austin thing. I don't know. <laughs> He's wearing a cowboy hat. Uh, all right, how about how about you, Joe? Number two. I don't have a number two. Like I said, it's all about contemporary. I'm trying to think of uh, go deeper on. Oh, for this group, it might be Wu Tang Clan. Oh, oh, interesting. Interesting. Yikes! You're not the first dog to shit on our lawn. This is, yeah, exactly. This is not exactly a hip-hop crew. I don't know if it's shameful, per se, but I love a lot of hip-hop. Mm, a lot of really good hip-hop. Yeah, yeah Matt's grimacing. Nobody that's that's grimace-worthy. That actually hurt me to hear that. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. And yeah, jazz. Love jazz. It's funny. I hear Def Leppard. I'm like, yeah, I can see it. I hear Kenny Crowes. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I hear Wu-Tang. I'm like, you die. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is, that is, that is. We we're like diametrically opposed on that one, man. Oh my god! So, so Joe, uh, inform us, educate us on why you like Wu Tang. Have you ever heard that first album of theirs? The third, the third, third, the Wu Tang Chamber. Oh, it's so good. It's like some of the best samples, and like the fact that and there's no group rap. There's no, like no rap groups anymore. You notice that? That's, That's not true. a thing anymore. And like, and actually, most the individuals time the that have the name of a group. Yeah, the name of yeah, exactly. But like, like Fifty Cent, oh, that they're they're great. No, it's just they're great. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> he is a rapist, I believe, if uh, the term is correct. Hey, wow. wow. No, that's like the thing. That's like you you can't say rapper. It's oh, rapper, rapist. Yeah, but isn't that's it actually a park and recreation? Really close to. I can't really, you know, even take credit for that one. Um, well done. Yeah, but no. Uh, I don't even know. I mean, like, if you don't like hip hop at all, and I understand a lot of people don't, you know, there's, uh, I can't really, you can't really preach to convert it. It's like trying to explain to people who hate baseball why baseball's so good. You ever noticed that, Matt? Have you ever tried doing that? Absolutely. There are people that dismiss baseball out of hand, especially because of these things like it's boring or it's slow yeah. and things like that. Where if you appreciate, if you love baseball, you're like, um, there's always things happening. Every pitch changes everything and it happens yeah. in succession. So I think that's I a gotta great say, uh, example. I'm one of those people who think it's slow and boring. However, having said that, uh-huh. I wish I liked baseball because the people that I know who like baseball, including you guys, love it and you get so much joy out of it and there's so much of it you know i feel like there's like 400 games a year and i'm like wow i wish i loved something that i got that much new stuff that's true yeah yeah so i'm jealous actually generally it seems like more intelligent i don't know maybe that that's not uh, it seems like very intelligent people are into baseball like you'll look at like somebody like um like a novelist like paul oster like george will baseball yeah george will i love george will it's like you can really talk intelligently about something like baseball as opposed to like football, which I don't, I don't know. Maybe you can. I don't know enough about football 
but it doesn't well, seem like the same. Baseball transcends history, and then there's yeah. all sorts. It, it, it has its own history yeah. that you become like sort of loyal to through your fandom. So not to derail into sports talk here. And, I know. Um, but, no. I mean, it's on a sports uh, site, right, Barney? What is that now? What baseball. site? Yeah, we're, we kind of developed. I was, no, no, I was no. kind of comparing Wu-Tang Clan to baseball in the sense that if you don't get it, you know, you never can't explain it. it. I, thing, no, no, look, I, I, no, this is, we, this is a, music, cop out, this though. is a music podcast, you, you know, like, but people will understand sports if you, because like a lot of people listen to sports on this thing. But oh, yeah. as far as, as far as this goes, I mean, man, I don't mind that you like Wu-Tang Clan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a seminal rap group. They are mm-hmm. considered and they are critics darlings. You do not have mm-hmm. to apologize for loving something that the critics like. Well, I think that's most of us anyway. Most of the things we've said are ashamed of is, you know, we haven't really come up with anything all that great. I think I actually won, if this were a contest, with the Anne Murray thing. Because nobody our age likes Anne Murray. It's like an 80-year-old woman's music. Seriously. Oh, yes, but I love that I song. Mean, or a Canadian. I have que- Yeah, or I have questions. <laughs> So, Joe, Anne Murray, mm-hmm. since you're dropping this on us now, mm-hmm. uh, is it a specific song? Is it is there yeah, a yeah, no, catalog? Snowbird. I love that song. Oh, Snowbird. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's what I said earlier. So, it's like anything that's like considered to be adult contemporary because that's like the oh, gist yeah. of my shame when it you're comes right. to You're right. I'm sorry. Is it's like stuff that's overproduced, you know, <laughs> yes. very, you know, yeah, programmable almost. Yes. So I follow. What, what about. You know, you like 80-year-old woman music, and you also like some pretty hardcore gangster rap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it when they play back-to-back. Range. I, love, Range. I love it when uh, Bring to Ruckus plays after, uh, um, uh, uh, what is it, Reminiscing by Little Rubber Band. That's or, like the or Danny's song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Even like, it's like, yeah, it's amazing. Those things come up. But like we talk about how much we love Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. If Jermaker comes up, I'm like, God oh, damn it, I hate this song, and I'll throw it across the room. Oh. You know, that is like the worst uh, Zeppelin. That's like one of the worst songs. Of segue here. I had to explain on the radio show that I do that it's not Dire Maker, it's Jermaker. And they said, Why is it Jermaker? I've been calling it the wrong thing. I said, Like, look, it is a bad, tasteless pun on jamaica that's all it is yeah they're just trying to do and they try to do a james brown song on that album too which is another one of the worst they maybe the worst led zeppelin song of all time the crunch yes yeah. the crunch oh, is a terrible yeah. song i feel like there's this, this you're spoiling a whole future episode joe this is this yeah. is no. this is <laughs> put a whole episode on bad led zeppelin songs that sounds like a horrible Let's... episode <laughs> <laughs> i bet it's we'll terrible. get some comments it's terrible led zeppelin crowds Okay, uh, Magnus, how about you, man? Number two. Oh, uh, well, Waiting for this. For this crowd, definitely. This is some This is some shameful stuff as far as you guys are concerned. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for female vocal pop. Mm-hmm. Oh, starting, with, starting with Madonna. I love Madonna. Always, yeah, I love Madonna. Madonna. Yeah. Uh, great songwriter. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, love her music to this day. Um. Enya, you, you mentioned Enya, Joe. I love Enya. I've always loved Enya. I love that female. I love the female voice as a as an I instrument. Did. Not that not that Madonna has a great instrument per se, but she is. She was an excellent songwriter in her day. Mm-hmm. 
And um, these days I'm into Carly Rae Jepsen. What can I say? She's a genius. I, I, I actually do think that. She's got I, don't know, really... I don't know any of, of the work, but I've heard she that. She was like a teen pop idol. She had that song, Call Me Maybe, that was like a huge hit in 2005. Oh! Is that what that was that you sent us on the text thing? The chick with yeah. a mustache? Or is that something you put in there? <laughs> that, explain that. Yeah, please explain that to me. We'll work that out later. The... Um, <laughs> The Carly Rae Jepsen. So I also have a huge soft spot for female vocalists, as I mentioned, you know, um, and uh, and I appreciate it. But the sort of super poppy ones, yeah. the like flash in the pan type ones, I know that Magnus has a special soft spot for. And I got to say, uh, this is not the first time you and I have discussed this Carly Rae Jepsen obsession. I do not get it. I mean, Call Me Maybe was a very, like, it was a huge hit um, and uh, it was played all the time. And it was like parodied in the like peak introductory phase of that kind of thing in uh, social media. And it took off. Um, but as far as like listening to her, you know, third album or something and, and finding that I'm still baffled by it. I gotta, I, I gotta say it's, it, you know, she had that flash in the pan song, but if you listen to the album emotion that came out a couple of years ago, it's absolutely exquisitely crafted pop. I I feel like she almost was ill-served by having that really sugary teen pop thing as her first thing. Because I don't think people are taking her seriously as a, like an adult pop artist, which is a shame. Because it's Agnes, the important thing is it's still better than Death Leopard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's definitely debatable, but for sure. They have a one-armed drummer. You fire your drummer. I'm sorry. <laughs> those are the things that i like the most embarrass my friends well okay yes. did, did, would carly ray jepson do you take me higher than the rest yes did, okay i like that song a lot that's a great pop song i've never heard of it. You know, another one you guys were talking about because they used it in a, it's always sunny uh, in Philadelphia episode, mm. and I that's how we that's how we backdoor our way into pop culture references. But I mean, I'm they're like, in look, one of they're in one of his like fringe obsessed <laughs> sorts yeah. of shows or something. Anything, one of the but, shows I watch. <laughs> but also, wasn't this Carly Rae Jepsen? Wasn't she on like Canadian Idol or something like this? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. wasn't that kind of like how oh, the cast came along? And, she she yeah, came from so, that world, but she's got real songwriting chops. Real sure. songwriting. Yeah, I, has, I, I I agree. I, I don't have anything – she's pop. I mean, look, pop is pop. Absolutely. I, she I, likes wrong with and hates conflict. Interesting. And here's what I like about her, too, by the way. She's not like um, uh, your perfectly beautiful, you know, picture-perfect type of girl. She's kind of a little awkward, a little ugly duckling type, um, which maybe is why she didn't break through more after that yeah. one big hit. Um but she's but Canadian. I, I bet she loves Anne Murray. No doubt. Two Canadians. And you're revealing a lot together, about yourself you know? there too, Magnus. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's. And I think the reason people think that should be shameful for me is because it's so unlike the other music that I love. Yeah. I think, like Pat, when you say Cannon Crows, to me that fits right in line with the other stuff you like, and that yeah. makes oh, sense. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I'm ashamed of all the music I like, actually. Yeah, if I pop out my Joy Division <laughs> CD and pop in uh, Carly Rae, people are like, did you have a stroke? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when we were talking about a topic to discuss, um, it, the, I, that 
this example was the one because I, I get everything that you're saying um, and how you found like that she truly is a talent and such. Um, but it's so counter to like all the other music that you talk about that you, that, you know, when the first, when we first started talking about it, you know, um, years ago when you were telling me about this fandom, I thought you were joking. So, I, you know, this would have been a good example Look, yeah, I was I describing too, what the topic was, Look, but I didn't want to ruin it. Look, I've, I've known Pat for a long time. The withering contempt that I heard in his voice just now for when, you, when he was describing this was just palpable. And it's just hard for me to describe. But it's fine because, you know what, I – that is a tone that I have heard – for a long time for my love of David Coverdale. Oh yeah. So I, I yep. look, I, I, I know that tone and that's, <laughs> that is 100% it. And you know what? All it has done to me is just like make it a lifelong. Um, You're like, a badge of honor. Yeah. yeah. I, it's just made it a lifelong like for me. I, 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 I've liked, you know, that's called sunk cost Morty. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Doubling yeah. down on your poor decision because I've been too far, so much time I am in too far. Exactly. Sunk cost with David Coverdale. Oh, Here's man. something controversial. I don't think I'm a big Bill Cosby fan anymore. I don't know. Oh, wow, wow. You know, but, you know, it's not music, but it's CDs. I have Bill Cosby CDs. I will never be able to listen to them again. Yes, but David, how are you associating David Coverdale with Bill Cosby? They have similar uh, things. I'm pretty sure. Coverdale roofied oh. our mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. I will never recover. <laughs> oh, but I will never apologize for this, and I have stuck with it. I have known you guys for the better part of my life. I will never apologize for this. I will stick to it. Um, and the guy wished my brother well uh, after he found I told him that he had leukemia. Uh, he did sleep with Tony Katane, so he's got that going for him. So yep. uh, he, he's earned. I, my I think you should reach out to Def Leppard and see if they can send some kind words to <laughs> kind your words brother, and then <laughs> Joe will be over a barrel. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, you know, Marty, I, I got to say, of all the things we've talked about tonight, the the Coverdale one is still truly baffling to me. <laughs> it's the most offensive. Really Ray Jepsen level. Why is it baffling? It has been so long. It should no longer baffle you. I know, but it's deeply troubling. I guess. <laughs> it's like the wrong answer on one of those things, those forms they give you where there is no wrong answer. Well, here's what's yeah. troubling. And you get shown, but tell me if you agree. The, yeah. the troubling thing, Marty, is not that you like the covered out. The troubling thing to me is that you like Coverdale and Led Zeppelin. That's what I could never reconcile. Like, also, know, he prefers you know, Coverdale to Led I Zeppelin. Prefer, I prefer him over Robert. Yeah, but yeah, that's the troubling thing to me. But but that is a shameful stance. I gotta say, like uh, find <laughs> any other Led Zeppelin uh, fan or person that appreciates them, like you claim to, that uh, that would make that statement. To me, it's a logical extension. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that. But but, uh, okay. but but Jimmy played with David, so if 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 we keep shame upon Morty for listening to Coverdale, shouldn't we heap more shame upon Jimmy for for playing for, with him? For, yeah, Jimmy has re countless re reasons to be shamed. By the way, recording <laughs> the 
biggest yeah. selling studio album he had post Zeppelin with David Coverdale, including the True. studio album he made with Robert Plant later True. in the 90s. But now, you can't find anymore on streaming that I've seen. Have you guys seen that on streaming? Because Walking in the Clarksdale sucks. Okay. I think there's a couple songs that are okay. It sucks. Specifically that song. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, song's Walking good. Walking in the is a great song. It, yeah, I remember listening to that. Blue Train's another, really good. I keep coming back to that uh, road trip that I took with uh, Mr. Pat here to Colorado Springs, but we played that album and we played pop through the whole trip. And I, I remember... Have such a negative view of that album. You were going to Colorado Springs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so not to spoil it. anything, Joe. That, that's yeah. it. But anyway, yeah, no, it's a lifelong thing. And uh, I... I, you know, I haven't bought anything new from Senor Coverdale for a long time, but, you know. I, but when's I, the last time you listened to I will still like the nursing home now. I, I, will, I will still uh, break out the odd Love Hunter song. And uh... <laughs> actually, I will back Morty up. Uh, he had some good stuff with Deep Purple when he was lead singer of Deep Purple. I, look. There were some really good Deep Purple songs. His work where speaks for itself. was the lead vocalist. Wait, 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 guys. I just realized something. Hmm. Pat, Pat has swindled us. What? Okay, so Morty has Coverdale, Shameful, Joe, mm. Wu-Tang, deeply, <laughs> deeply embarrassing. I can't believe you're picking that over Anne Murray. Like Car- anybody in their right mind would say Anne Murray before they'd say Carly Ray. Come on, I'm the Carly Ray champion. Yeah. And what does Pat do? Pat Counting Crows, Natalie Merchant. Those are <laughs> we good artists. You're these right. He hasn't actually said his shame yet. These Pat are has, these are smoke screens. Pat has Pat has, ah. has has children, so you must be liking something that they like that could be yes. shameful. There you go. Mm. Well, I'm proud to say, Morty, that you, though I do have children, and though Baby Shark has played at times in my home, <laughs> oh, God, um, yeah, my children. Yes listen to the music that I, that I teach them about, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that's really your job as a parent is not when we were kids, we had to discover Led Zeppelin from like our older brothers or our mm-hmm. friends, you know, that yeah. knew somebody or whatever. Um, because they weren't making music just for kids, you know, yeah. now, now, and you know, for the past, however many years, I mean, they make all kinds of music, movies, all kinds of other things specifically geared to children you know and a lot of it is entirely forgettable and i'm proud to say that like i don't really have um anything that i've really loved that the kids are listening to that when we're talking about like you know young kids um Mm -hmm. that was made for them uh to be ashamed of and so um you know i think to speak to magnus's point go ahead yeah sorry go ahead ahead. i was gonna say to speak to your point um the uh my shames uh are the things that i appreciate and those are of course you know artists and, you know high higher brow respectable sorts of uh of art um so they're shameful when i'm in uh in, in a crowd of people with less sophisticated taste all right fair 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 less uh, you're saying about you know music made for and by children and how that's a relatively new phenomenon i think that's true i remember something bono said that at the Grammys or something during the ATYBHQ era. Mm-hmm. He, he said, you know, I don't mind children. I even have a bunch. I just don't think they should be rolling the pop charts. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I look, we can all sit here and think of a, a, a like artists that we listen to and, and think, well, you liked a song 
right? Uh, like, oh man, I like that song. It's like, who is it? Oh, you know, and, and it's, it's, I think that it applies to everyone because music is music. Sure. <clears throat> and if it's a good song, it's a good song. Yeah. And I, I think that we, you know, the moral of the story, and I, I think, did, did you guys have anyone else that you had uh, um, shame about Joe specifically? Not specifically, because yeah, it's, I'm the same way. It's like there's songs you can say some like a terrible artist has at least a good song sometimes. You know that happens. Yeah, or even a song just like happens and becomes like a you know the, the sort of one hit wonder type thing, but you mm -hmm. really dig it, you know. Yeah. And it and you can like throw back to it. I know Magnus and I used to listen to uh, that song by uh, Len. If you steal my sunshine or steal oh, my yeah. sunshine, <laughs> and it was like it, yeah. we listened to that track we were in our 20s you know so we should have done better we listened to that on repeat for like you know hundreds hundreds i mean hundreds we couldn't get enough of it and that's isn't that the definition of a good pop song it, it burrows itself into your brain oh, where yeah. you must hear it you know? but, but that was an era where if you wanted to hear that song i think it was on a that was on a soundtrack to a movie the movie go, go. yeah um and a uh, decent soundtrack but it was like we never bought that album by that band, you know. And mm -hmm. I, I'm sure their next best song was horrible. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they can let us know in the comments or something. But, yeah. Um, you know, it never crossed my radar, but I listened to that song. You know, that's probably in the that's in the top 100 songs I've ever listened to. If you were to like rank them by the amount of times I heard it or potentially listen to it, I have another. Yeah. I have another uh, potential shame one. Hmm. Potential. Yes, you do. Many. Uh, Let's hear them all. <laughs> Let's hear them many. Uh, uh, Megadeth. I don't get that. I, I like Megadeth. I don't, I don't love them. But. And like, uh, I, 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 there are several Megadeth albums, I think. Yeah, this is good Not shit. shameful at all. I mean, as far as yeah. their, their genre, they're like one of the best ones, right? I mean, yeah. They are most the most technical by, by far. Um, mm -hmm. and, and complicated. Um, and I think that, you know, I have a Rob Halford song in my uh, when he was solo, not not Judas Priest. It was a solo Rob. Oh Halford. yeah, uh, Resurrection. It was just a good song, but it's basically a Judas Priest song. But anyway, it's like was that I, after Judas Priest? Uh, it was before he jo rejoined them. He rejoined. Them. Oh, okay. I got you. Um, but I think you know, I got Laura Branigan, uh, Gloria. <laughs> about that one uh you know very catchy pop song i mean yeah. i could mm -hmm. totally someone that grabbing someone and riding them to the depths of hell <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as he said laura brand again it's like <laughs> it's in my head I'm like, like actually just, i hope it's not yeah, underappreciated yeah. that if you don't know which songs we're talking about joe is performing them for yeah, exactly. <laughs> really badly um, you, don't, you, don't, you don't need to find it on the streaming services. You're getting a live reenactment. Yeah, exactly. Forget about Joe. looking it up. I'll just, I'll just, uh, you know, do that. I think, I think, you know, <laughs> when we talk and to kind of, I think all of us need to kind of come in on the quote shame angle here. Mm. My after this podcast and maybe, maybe kind of, may, you guys could weigh in on this individually, but I'm thinking that maybe the moral of the story is that 
the shame comes from the those you care whose opinion, opinions is telling you it's shameful. Yeah, it totally is like what you talked about before. Exactly. If you yeah. really care what other people think, then there's shame. So, like, I care about you guys, the three of you guys, Magnus, uh, Pet, and uh, Joe, I care about your opinions more than I do anyone else. So, obviously, that's going to affect my view of certain things, right? So, yeah. I none of us here, fortunately, like Nickelback, or anything like oh. that. <laughs> but some people do. Yes, yeah, some people you know, that's do. the thing. Yeah. I have a new thing with and my them, wife. It's not a secret shame. I have a new thing with my wife. They're happy every about time. Would you say? I have a new thing with my wife where every time she plays a song from the 90s that's horrible, I just ask if it's Nickelback. <laughs> I like that. He loves it. I think you, you should give that to all the listeners out there. Yeah, Engage yeah. with that. Yeah. With your, uh, with your stepmothers. mothers. Yeah, By the way, Joe, that explains the couch made up into a bed behind you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, that's a tanning bed. So, uh, um, I guess I can well, that sleep ex- in it. I don't, that uh, explains your lack of tan. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so exactly. like, uh, Joe, we'll start with you. Is, is that, is that the, the, my summation of it? Would you agree with that? Was It's like a... Uh, you care about the p- opinion of the person who's disparaging you for liking that song, basically. Yeah, and at least back then. Right now, I don't really care what anyone thinks about my musical taste. So, you know, that's the nice thing about getting old and, like, surly, you know? Yeah, it's just like you don't care anymore. As opposed to when you were young and surly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Good point, Pat. That is a good point. I think it has a lot to do, like, uh, the idea of if you're driving in, you know, in the summertime and you have the windows down in your car and you're blasting yes. one of these songs... Do you roll the windows up or do you turn it down? Like, what do you do? And there are some songs that, you know, you just got to celebrate and and embrace. And then, you know, Magnus, if you're blasting some Carly Rae, you know, with the sunroof open and, you know, you're rolling by the the college campus and uh, pulling up to (laughs) stoplight. You know, like, what's your move? What's your move? Do we have to tell? Camera on me last night. How did you know? Come on. <laughs> what What is this? A scene from what was it? Office Space. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, man. it is. And oh, I'm the Wu Tang guy in that one. You know, like it, yes. Yeah. Roll the window. Up. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, man. I was, I was gonna say like there's a band that you know I know a lot of us love ACDC. I know for some <laughs> people that is a secret shame that they like that really? band. Even I don't get that. There was a joke, uh, I think it was like on Jay Leno years ago, where he, and he was a comedian, said, you know, um, a hooker is a Jay like, Leno or a comedian. Or a comedian, exactly. <laughs> or a comedian, yeah. And the joke was, you know, uh, a hooker is like ACDC, a guilty pleasure best enjoyed in the car with the windows up. <laughs> and I was like, ACDC is the greatest man ever. It's an outrage. Pull the windows down for that, my friend. Well, that, yeah. That's right. What, what was that, uh, to bring it back to The Onion, what was that, The Onion article? Uh, uh, Man listening to Highway to Hell actually on Parkway to Waukegan. But we, I mean, I don't have any particular shame in any of my music, but, and I think a lot of this is a little bit of uh, where you are at the time where you get exposed to them. I remember at the, uh, when we were teenagers and I was thinking, man, I'm just going to enjoy uh, this Weissig album. And I am not going to tell these guys that I'm listening to it. It was later on when I started getting aggressive and saying, like, no, you will like this. And, of course, that never worked. No. Um, but that was a... Someone else likes it, though. That's yeah. But, yeah. I mean, but I think, is it is it maybe youth that makes you care about that more than... Yeah, I mean, 
the three of us are in our forties. So maybe it's a, a, just a thing that you just grow out of when you're a kid and that peer, uh, pressure sure. works i mean like uh, pat would you well, would you think would you I mean, pat would you think that like the natalie merchant thing which none of us gave you any pushback on right now mm-hmm. rewind to 1996 would that be a completely different situation oh for sure like i wouldn't be like t- telling the kids in my high school you know class oh hey you know can't wait to make a trip this summer and go see this Nally Merchant gal, you know, I mean, they were all like saving up to go see, I don't know, uh, country jam oh, God. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I think that it's interesting what you're hitting on Morty is that this stuff all goes back to when your sort of musical s- policies start and it's when you're young, you know, because and, and I don't know if it's the same today with so many other options for um, content and such, but it was like being able to grasp music and then have your own style of music. I mean, when I, when I was into these types of bands that we're talking about, CDs cost $20, which I think in today's dollars is like $1,000 <laughs> because now you can listen to anything you want, anytime you want. Like every song we've talked about tonight, pretty much, you could go listen to immediately and it would cost you nothing, you know? And so I think that there was a time when it was more about like how you identified with other people. And the, and it was like, I agree with what Joe's saying, like who cares what other people say or other people care about. Um, But when you're young, it's like, you're like, Hey, listen to this thing that I discovered and tell me that it's not, you know, the best you've ever heard. And people, when people were like, I don't know, man, what's wrong with you? You know, I'm into this pop music that's out or whatever. Um, well, do, doesn't I think it, that that's, doesn't it go by how forceful the person is who's listening to it, like, and how much sure. they're advocating for what they like? I mean, that, we're both well, a person and the culture. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like I remember like Michael Jackson being the, the biggest star in the world when I was growing up, but I had like zero interest in him. I almost rejected him and his music because he was so like universally popular in pop music at the time. And I liked, you know, other things that I wanted to feel like cooler for discovering, you know, I think that this later came out with like, you know, the whole indie music renaissance or whatever of the mid two thousands where people would be like, Oh, you have to check out this band that no one's ever heard of. And and that sort of thing. Well, I'll tell, I'll say something. And this is a, and this has been a, a good kind of summation about, I think, uh, where you where music like evolves and your your ability to block out the uh, the shame evolves as you grow older because uh, I don't give a shit that I listen to David Coverdale and quite frankly I follow him on Twitter and talk to him quite frequently on Twitter. If you would have told me that uh, in 1995, I probably would have you know shit myself. It, 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 it you would have been like, what the hell is Twitter? Like Twitter? Twitter is today. Yeah. What, is Twitter? what is Twitter? No one's yeah. answered that yet. But I think that, you know, and I'm going to give each of us kind of a, a short statement. Is like, and, and, and a lot of these Gen X music shows, I, I kind of wanted to talk about how the meaning, the, the meaningfulness of music and, and what it means to all, I, everyone who's become obsessed with it, like, you know, generally we are. Um, Joe, to start with you, I mean, shame and all, is it just music to you? Is it just, I like this and that's all that matters? It is. And actually, I think Pat made the best point about shame as far as like 
that's the ultimate test. If you are driving down the road and you like me, and you probably are probably all this way, we're blaring our music. Do we roll up our music, our windows at any given example? You know, that's the ultimate test of shame. That's on a societal level. That's, you know, mm-hmm. forget what the three of us think of what, you know, one of the other listens to, you know. Um, yeah, but I think overall, it is really what you like yourself. Like, I don't, I don't feel ashamed, but I have no shame. We've discussed this. I don't have any shame anyway, so I'm probably not the best person to weigh in on this subject anyway. But did, did you ever have shame or is, uh, is that part of like, you know, getting older and, and a changing? Probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting older. By the time I'm 70, I'm just going to be like, like top, like I'm not gonna wear pants when I leave the house anymore. You know, Nothing like, sadder oh, than a 70 year old. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, we have all that to look forward to. Anyone who's listening mm-hmm. to this podcast who knows Joe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the thing about getting older yeah. and why the thing goes away is because when you're older, you realize the things you thought were great weren't as great as you thought. And the things you oh. thought were horrible yeah. weren't as bad as you thought. Yeah. So I think age smooths things out a little. Yeah. And I think that has the effect of sort of dissipating shame because you realize, oh, that's not going to hate it. It's actually not that bad. And that album I like, actually, there's some fuckers on there. You yeah. Know, you just have more perspective. Yeah, for wow. sure. I mean, we're not going to do better than that. Morty. That's the that best. Was, the, uh, no, no, that's, that's, we, that's basically it. If that's not a closer, I don't know what it is. No, no, you I dropped mean, the mic. Nobody else say anything. That's, it. Like, you, that's, you, a, that's your own Magna Carta. You dropped the, you dropped the mic on us. Uh, before, yeah. before we leave and before I forget, because I've been doing this lately, uh, I have got to read about DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, as I pull this thing up here, double your paycheck. I will. I will do that. Double your paycheck. Um, week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three. There is no better place to get in on all the action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add the excitement of week three, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all you all new users a chance to to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars when they bet on any team. That's right. You can place one a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you win a, uh, you cash in a cool Benjamin. How, do, how can you pass that up? Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the pro- promo code MHS when you sign up and for this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week three, bet $1, and, bet, and you will win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use the promo code MHS to sign up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Eligibility and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, folks. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Gen X music show. For Joe, for Pat, for Magnus, I thank you. And we will be back next week with a better even better show, and I, and I don't know if we can all top this one. More here. betterer. More, More betterer. Yeah. More betterist. <laughs>